Hi, this is Bill Woods. I want to talk to you today about our God who is always there. I've entitled this God's Thereness. Read in Psalms 139, 7 through 12, says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You know, people living near Mount Rainier... Washington, uh, the mountain up there in Washington have the privilege of enjoying its scenic beauty. This mountain is usually snow-capped and always majestic as it stands ruling over the surrounding countryside. On a clear day, this huge mountain can be seen for many miles from any direction. In fact, if you know where to look while you're down at some of the areas around Portland, Oregon, you can look and still see Mount Rainier. We used to get a magnificent view of this spectacular mountain from the upstairs window of our parsonage when we were pastoring in Seattle Ballard Church the Nazarene. It was quite a thing to see the mountain and the Space Needle both in the same time. The Space Needle was dwarfed by the huge mountain behind it. Mount Rainier is a landmark of intense beauty and mammoth proportions. Sometimes atmospheric conditions are such that the peak is impossible to see. I mean, fog may fill the valleys, blocking it from view, but Mount Rainier is still there. Blizzards may turn the sky into swirling white rain, the mountain invisible, but it's still there. Sometimes when it's raining real hard, you can't see the mountain, but it's there. Every night darkness settles in, and the mountain again becomes invisible, but it's there. As conditions change, people living in the area don't ask, where's Mount Rainier? It was only it was there only yesterday. They are convinced it'll be there even though they can't see it right then. It doesn't have to be seen in order to be believed. You know, God is like that, even more so. One day Mount Rainier will be gone. Not so with God because he is eternal. God's reality doesn't depend upon our being able to see him or feel him. You know, the cynical sinner says, well, God isn't real because he's, he's never seen him. Uh, Yuri Gagarin, the Russian cat cosmonaut who was the first to journey into outer space in 1961, said that while he was up in space, he looked all around for God, but he didn't see him. I imagine that now he has probably met God and seen him, and he probably believes in him at this point. I was thinking about Madeline Murray O'Hare, a devout atheist, and the founder of the American Atheist Press in 1965. She filed several lawsuits dealing with the First Amendment. She demanded the separation of church and state, proclaiming that prayer in public schools was an unconstitutional activity. In 1960, she was a plaintiff in a lawsuit that sought to prohibit Bible reading in the Baltimore public schools as an unconstitutional activity. The result was that the Supreme Court extended the ban on prayer. 
a Bible reading, and the recitation of the Lord's Prayer in public schools. Listen, uh, she did this because she was afraid her son Bill would be uh, influenced by all these things. Bill became a Baptist preacher. He's renounced his mother's beliefs. He's not an atheist. He's out trying to serve the very God that she decided that she did not believe in. She has met God by now, and I guarantee she believes that he is real. People without faith are incapable of seeing or feeling God. Actually, if the doubter would just look around and see the handiwork of God in creation, they would know there is there has to be a God. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. It is too bad that so many Christians fall into this error of equating God's reality with his visibility. One of God's wonderful attributes is the fact that he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. Right now, God is here with you. He's also in Anthem, Arizona with my daughter Tammy and her family. He's in Tennessee with my daughter Kim and her family. He's in Africa. He's in all the mission fields around the world. He's everywhere. Not only that, he's able to be personally involved with everyone. Imagine. There are over 8 billion people in the world, and God knows each one so intimately that he even knows how many hairs they have on their head. That means even after you washed your hair in the shower this morning and you lost hair, God knows what you have left. What a wonderful God we serve. And yet Christians often feel God's forsaken them. He's left them alone. Any one of a thousand things can get in the way. The discouragement, disillusionment, disease, defeat, uh, tragedy may temporarily block our view of God. But God is still there just the same. He's the God who is there. Many Christians suffer spiritual defeat because they get discouraged and take their eyes off God and feel God's let them down. Notice where Jesus told his discouraged disciples to cast their nets again after they'd fished all night. It was the same old place where they'd been fishing all night and they caught nothing, but all of a sudden they threw their nets in and the nets were bulging with fish. I hear people say, if I could just move to a different place, get a different job, make better friends, have more time with my family, I wouldn't have such a hard time being a Christian. Well, you know, that was the cry of my friend Don in my church in Pullman, Washington. He thought the people at work just dragged him down. He did not like their conversation stuff. I told him it would be the same anywhere he went to work if he didn't keep his focus on God. If we went to some new place or new situation, every time we get discouraged, we think that trying again would be a lot easier. But I want you to know, if we could be somebody else or go somewhere else or do something else, it might not be hard to have fresh courage and faith, but it's the same old net and the same old pond for most of us. God wants you to live where you are and glorify him where you live. Old temptations are to be overcome, the old faults to be conquered, 
The old trials and discouragements that defeated us yesterday must be faced again today. We must win success where we are if we are to win it at all. It's Jesus himself who, after all these toilful, toilful, disheartening efforts that we call failures, tells us, try again. The disciples failed in faith and power after the crucifixion, but after Pentecost, they were filled with power for doing just what they'd failed to do in the old days. How many times have you become discouraged and felt that God no longer cared or, or just felt like giving up? Maybe you felt like God was no longer there. Let me tell you, God is always there. No matter where you are or what you face, God is there. He is omnipresent. Maybe clouds of disillusionment have blocked your view of our loving God. It's easy to get your eyes on people and circumstances and off of God and get everything out of focus. Remember Peter out there walking on the water. Jesus had been walking on the water, and Peter said, I want to come. Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat, was walking on the water, but he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves and felt the wind and all of a sudden began to sink. Little things can defeat our spiritual life. Wrong attitudes, loose tongue, critical spirit, just little things that don't seem like much to us but bring disillusionment and block our view of God. We need to keep our eyes on the goal and on God and know that he's going to take us through. I read about a gun factory that hung a 500-pound, 8-foot-long steel bar uh, in, in the factory. It was suspended on a chain and a small cork was put on a string and was swinging next to or bumping into the, the bar. Just kept banging it, banging it. It doesn't seem like it would do much. But it wasn't too long until the bar began to sway back and forth because that little cork was hitting against it. You know, it doesn't take much to upset the workings and cloud out God's smile in our lives. It doesn't take much to become disillusioned or to cause others to become disillusioned. Even then, God is still there. He's omnipresent. He can be found if you will look for him. We had a miracle this week because God is there and God pays attention to our needs. We were down to 5% in our propane tank and we depend on propane for heating, cooking, and hot water. Our provider, First Propane of Snowflake, I, I kept calling them. They said they could not deliver the propane we needed because their trucks were broken down. They had two diesel trucks that were not running right then. The temperature was in the low teens, and we were very concerned because everything would freeze up without some heat. Not only that, we didn't want to be uh, experience that kind of cold in our house or our own lives. We prayed asking God to intercede. In answer to our prayers, First Propane sent a flatbed truck to our house with a full tank of propane and traded out our empty tank for the full one. I praise God for this miracle. and I also thank First Propane for following God's lead whether they realized he was leading them or not. One thing about God is he is always on time with his answers. His timing cuts it a lot closer and often more nerve-wracking than we would like, but he comes through on time. Learn to trust him. 
Or, or what about disease? Is God still there in the face of suffering? We had a nephew by marriage named Kent Stiles. Kent has suffered from cancer for the last couple of years. He has had tumors that have been removed only to grow back again. He has had treatments with the chemo and everything, but the cancer has spread through his body. We have prayed for his healing. Our church has prayed for his healing. Many people have prayed for his healing. Why hasn't God healed Kent? Well, God knows the answer. Kent died yesterday. He has received the ultimate healing because his physical suffering is over. He is with the Lord, and I say praise God. I don't know why God didn't just put Kent back on his feet cancer-free. I do know that God used his condition to touch many other lives and to inspire people to pray intercession prayers. I know also that God's plan is right and he will answer our whys in eternity. We still want to ask, well, how can God be a God of love and let good people suffer? Let's get a little closer. How can God let me suffer? In 1956, five missionaries were burdened to bring Christianity to an isolated tribe of Aka Indians in the rainforest of Ecuador. The tribe was known for violence, both against uh, their own people and outsiders who entered their territory. With the intention of being the first Christians to evangelize the previously un uncontacted natives, the missionaries began making regular flights over the village in September 1955, dropping gifts which were reciprocated. After several months of exchanging gifts, on January 3, 1956, the missionaries established a camp at what they called Palm Beach, a sandbar along the Curare River, a few kilometers from the Aka settlements. Their efforts ended on January 8, 1956, when all five, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Yaderand were attacked and speared by a group of Aka warriors. The news was broadcast around the world. What seemed like such an unnecessary tragedy to the world led to the conversion of many, including some of those who were involved in the killing. Jim Elliott had said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, their sacrifice opened up one of the most productive mission fields in the world. Uh, Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth, and uh, Nate Saint's wife, Rachel, went to reach the people who had killed their husbands. Suffering, disease, and tragedy may cloud our view of God, but he's still there because he is omnipresent. Not only that, but God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, which means he can handle any need that you have. Our yieldingness to his will will reveal this fact. Many Christians miss the fellowship with God and the blessings he has for them and are wondering if he's real because of defeat in their spiritual lives. It's not God's will for us to be dwarfed in our experience by defeat. It's kind of like the Japanese who dwarf trees, the bonsai 
thing that they do where they cut the tap roots and, and keep a tree from growing and put it in a pot so that it can't spread out too much. And it keeps a tree, it has all the characteristics of a large tree, only it's dwarfed. Well, some Christians seem to have the same thing happen in their lives. They've cut the uh, tap root to God. They're no longer praying. They're no longer uh, reading their Bible. and They won't allow themselves to grow. They rob themselves of spiritual nourishment and restrain the noble impulses of their nature. They shut out of their hearts the power of the Holy Spirit and are only dwarfed Christians, if Christians at all when they could be strong in Christ with the abundant life which the Master wants all of his followers to have. They dwarf themselves in spiritual things, and when the going gets rough, they wonder why they don't have the strength to withstand the storm. Where is God? Doesn't he care? Well, yes, God is there, and yes, God cares. One of his attributes is that he's omnipresent. What a wonderful God we serve. We need faith that God is there and that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Faith will help us be sure of God. And we can't see God even during the stormy seasons, but we can know he's there because faith helps us see the invisible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, faith doesn't create God. It doesn't make something real out of something which is unreal. Faith asserts the thereness of God, even in the absence of his visibility. Faith never asks, where is God? Rather, faith points with a steady finger and confidently says, God is there. Just before she died, my mom got very frightened of the dark. My dad kept turning the lights off, thinking that if she faced her fear, she could conquer it. That was what he thought about everything. If you're afraid of something, face it and conquer it. Mom called me and, and, and was frantic. We prayed about it, and God completely took that fear away. You know, may God help us to exercise a faith that assures us of his thereness. From every indication, we are facing some rough days just ahead of us. Prophecies are being fulfilled. We know that Christ is soon to come, and we know that times are going to get even rougher than we've ever seen before. They are predicting food shortages, fuel shortages, devalued money, and along with all this, they say we will face persecution, especially Christians. Remember, Whatever you face, God is still there, and he promised he would never leave you or forsake you. He also promised he would give you strength for whatever you have to face. Deuteronomy 33.25 says, Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. I read a story, just an uh, illustration. Uh, uh, there was some construction going on. Oh, down a couple blocks from a church. And one of the construction workers, his name was Jim, would often, well, every noon during his lunch hour, he would come, get just step inside the church, and he would say, Jesus, it's Jim. And the pastor began to notice this, began to look forward to seeing this guy come. He'd come every after or every noon and say, Jesus, it's Jim. Well, one day, Jim didn't show up, and the pastor became concerned. Where was he? And so he went to the construction site, and they said Jim had been 
injured and Jim was in the hospital. Well, the pastor felt like he needed to go call on him and he went into the room said, Jim, I'm sorry I neglected you. He said, I understand by talking to the nurses, nobody's come to see you. And Jim said, that's not right. He says, every day at noon, he says, there comes to the door something that says to me, Jim, it's Jesus. You know, you might be thinking, I don't know if I'm brave enough or strong enough to take a stand when persecution comes. Well, let me assure you that God gives us strength when we need it. You don't need extra strength or extra grit right now, but God will give that to you when the time comes that you need it and not before that time. When you face persecution, sickness, death, financial ruin, or anything else that comes your way, you will have the strength you need. You just don't need it today. I hear people say, well, I'm afraid to die. Well, God will be there to help you through the event, that event too if you're serving him. You don't need dying grace today, but you'll have it when you need it. What you need today is the grace to live for him and put him first in your life. God is always there, and God will faithfully carry you through to victory no matter what the circumstances. Let me ask you, have you made room in your life for the God that's always there? He has room for you. Dear Father, I pray that you'll be with each one that's listened to this broadcast today. Help us to realize that you're there no matter what, that you have the strength and the help and you know what we're facing and you will take care of us. And Lord, those who don't know you as their personal Savior, may they find the place and time where they can confess their sins to you, ask you to come into their heart, into their life, and lead them the way they need to go, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, again, you know how to get a hold of me. If you send the Gmail, it's uh, uh, lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. If you want to write a letter, it's box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. I do have a podcast, which is lowercase churchofthegalilean.com, and you can find that if you look for it. And if you, for some reason, really felt like you need to talk personally, my phone number is 623-845-2741. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. I pray God's best for you.